Few teams like drafting senior bowl players more than the Seahawks. That trend continued in 2023. Here to help us break down Seattle's latest draft class, we've got Jim Nagy, director of the Senior Bowl, here on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joined as always by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang, and we got a little different man in the middle here for today's Tuesday Wednesday episode. I keep mixing up my days here this week. It has been a crazy week on our podcast, and we are really excited. It's become an annual thing here on Locked On Seahawks to have Senior Bowl Director Jim Nagy here giving us his presence on the podcast, all the knowledge, all the insight. And as always, we greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to jump on with us. Yeah, absolutely, Corbin. Rob, love love coming on, talking Hawks, man. Thanks for having me back on. A special thanks to all of the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week and giving your attention to Jim today. And let's start with a player that didn't participate in the Senior Bowl. But, Jim, we know that you watch a ton of guys that don't play in the Senior Bowl. And Illinois had two secondary players in Mobile. The one the Seahawks drafted was not one of those two guys. But we know that you've watched a lot of Illinois this past season. Number one ranked scoring defense in college football how shocked were you that the Seahawks of all teams picked a corner in the top five picks? And where do you think Devin Witherspoon fits in with this football team? All right, Corbin, a couple things here. Um, we had Devin committed to play in the senior bowl until Daniel Jeremiah put out his top 50 list at the beginning of January and had Devin as the number six player. And I got a call the very next day from his agent telling him, telling me he wasn't coming to Mobile. So, um, we yes, we, we did a lot of work on Devin. I think he was our week one um, senior bowl, senior of the week that uh, to start the season. And I uh, would have loved to have had him, man. But uh, when, when you're going to be a top 10 pick, and even back in January, it kind of looked that way. I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not dumb. Um, I was, honestly, I wasn't that shocked um, that Seattle picked him, although that goes way against – uh, what Pete and John have done at the position, I, I want to say you guys can correct me. I'm sure you know better than I do. But I, I think Shaquille Griffin was the highest drafted corner that that they've had, um, you know, back, back when I was there. And um, but when you looked at how this draft, you know, kind of in that top part of the draft, like I, I didn't see quarterback. I thought maybe Anthony Richardson, if he got there, would be too enticing to pass up. Um, you know, and then just in I think Will Anderson was there. I think Will Anderson would have been the pick. Um, but after that, Devin Witherspoon was the best player, and uh, he's got that Seahawk DNA, guys. I mean, I, it, for Seahawk fans that haven't watched this guy yet, and I'm sure most diehards have, have won out and watch, watched, you know, some of the YouTube highlights and whatnot. Um, this guy, this guy's a Seahawk through and through. Um, he is going to be a lot of fun to watch out there um, with the Seahawk helmet on. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, Jim, you just kind of let it up uh, to to my next my question for you. Um, and as Corbin said, thank you for joining us yet again this year. Um, you know, you, you talked about with Devin Witherspoon how this, he just 
that kind of almost screams Seahawk when, when you watch the, the physicality, the tenacity with which he played. Um, is there any other players that, uh, you know, that you recall either evaluating for the senior bowl or in those years prior in Seattle that once you watch the film, you're like, well, yeah, that's a definite Seahawk. Um, you know, the guy that I probably fought the hardest for when I was in Seattle, because I felt like he was one of us was, was Jaron Reed. Um, you know, Jaron had some, some stuff off the field at Alabama and I'll, I'll, I'll share this story. I think, I think I've told this story, uh, since I've been in this role, but I'll, I'll say it again. It, it goes back to the senior bowl. Um, Seahawks always rent out a suite, um, at the, at the players hotel. And we used to just text the players to come on up, um, and hang out. And, and, and again, it, it always, it depended on when they came up, there could be, you know, five other players up there. There could just, it could just be, you know, them by themselves. And that when Jaron got up there, there was no other players up there. So it was like the whole scouting staff and then just me and Jaron talking. Um, and, you know, we started to unpack some of the off the field stuff. Um, and again, it, it was well documented. Um, you know, he was a young guy. It was just immature, you know, mistakes. And uh, once we got through that and started talking football, it was amazing. You know, and again, the, the Alabama staff that year kind of laid it out that way. This guy's football character is like A plus off the charts is like a practice player, competitor, and, and most importantly, a guy that held his teammates accountable. Like he was not afraid to snatch somebody up if they, if they needed to be put in line. Um, and I, that's what we needed. That's what we wanted. That's what we needed in Seattle. And, uh, and when he walked out of that room, when he walked out of that suite at uh, the Renaissance Hotel, everyone in the department, we all kind of looked at each other like, this guy's got to be a Seahawk. Like this, is, this guy's one of our guys. So um, – yeah, I mean, there, and there's a, there's always a handful, Rob. Like every year, there's a handful of guys that play with an urgency and a you know a physicality where you're like, yeah, this guy's what we want. But uh, you know, it doesn't always work out that you can get them. You know, it's so that's why it's a draft. And uh, so it was cool that I, I said it during the draft cycle. Like Devin Witherspoon, you could have made a like I could have sat all day and watched a cut up of Devin Witherspoon's run support stuff. Like how how often do you say that about a corner? Um, just like him coming up, forcing runs, striking blocks, getting off, um, you know, throwing throwing wide receivers around. Like he's he's so much fun to watch play. So um, I know he's going to be a fan favorite for those for those Seahawk fans that are kind of on the fence about which rookie's jersey to buy. Like Witherspoon will be would be an easy one to uh, to, to to nab. I know that I tweeted this a couple weeks before the draft, but I was just picturing Pete Carroll on his scooter doing wheelies if they were able to draft him at number five overall. And we'll never know if that's actually what went down, but I would bet on it because he's got this elite corner to go with Tariq Woolen. And the Seahawks then get another player in the first round that, quite frankly, if this was a year ago, I don't think Jackson Smith and Jigba is anywhere in that zip code at number 20. And to be able to get him, you've had the experience of working with a lot of Ohio State players. That's a football factory. They kick out a ton of good receivers that Heartline coaches there. How does Smith and Jigba compare to some of those other top-line receivers that have come out of Columbus the last few years? And where does that fit as far as ceiling for him coming into this offense? Yeah, Corbin, that's a really good question. I mean, those those guys are different. I mean, they've put out a lot of really good ones. You know, we've had like Terry McLaurin at the Senior Bowl. We've had a, we've had a number of those guys. Brian Hartline's a Senior Bowl alum. Um, so he's, you know, he and I are have, have gotten close over the last five years with me in this role. And um, yeah, like Jackson Smith, he, he's unique. Um, he really is. And 
I don't know if you would have went that much higher the year before just because of the testing stuff and, and teams that get hung up on some of the testing stuff. Like, you just, you just don't know, right? I mean, the, the, the 40 time might have stood in people's way of taking him up there in the top 10, but he's such a dang good player, man. And the, the coolest thing about him is he's pro ready. Um, this guy's ready to go right now. Um, from an off the field standpoint, you know, talking to those guys, talking to Brian, like he's mature enough to, to get up to Seattle, relocate, and, and be a pro. Um, and not a lot of rookies are, are able to do that. And then from a football intelligence standpoint and just an instincts and a savvy, um, he's got that. That's his game, right? Like we all, the, the, everyone that's watched Jackson knows that. Um, but so he's going to be able to come in and, and really give a complimentary skill set, which is what you're looking for to lock and, and DK. He's going to give him a different look. Um, he's going to give him a, a, just a, a craftier, really dependable. And, and to me, the, the coolest thing about Jackson is, is the catch skills. Um, go, even going back to that Rose Bowl game, whatever that was two years ago when they played Utah, um, I mean, some of the balls outside his frame, like difficult adjustments, like the hand, I'm just talking about hand placement. Like this kid looks like he came out of the womb catching footballs. Like it's so natural to him. He just kind of, he's like a good shortstop, you know, good shortstops are like vacuums. They just kind of suck the ball in like this. That's how this guy is. And that's what, that's what allows him to run after the catch the way he does. So, uh, really cool addition for those guys. Like. They, they got the best secondary player and the best wide receiver in the draft. I mean, uh, so that's that first round was a home run. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I, it very much took me as a surprise how Seattle, uh, you know, attacked the first round. Um, I was one of those who was very much on the Jalen Carter, and it, I actually had uh, Anthony Richardson's falling all the way down to 20, as, as crazy as that might sound now, considering, of course, that he wound up going number four overall. But, um, you know, you talked about with, with Witherspoon and with Jackson Smith and Jig, but, you know, what, it was basically a home run for the Seahawks. And, and so I'm going to push back on that just for a moment here, Jim, just because I, I do think that there is some um, question with these two players. With, with Witherspoon, of course, I mean, you know, they're, they're talking about still a three, four year starter, um, a guy that obviously signed as a no star recruit. We all know that story in, in the basketball stuff. But the reality is, is that as Corbin had mentioned before, you, you had two safeties in, in Mobile and Quan Martin and Sidney Brown, uh, Sidney Brown that, you know, were really good football players and Illinois is stacked. Uh, you know, and so I think that there, there's a, a factor out there. I've always called it the parasite factor. This idea of, of players who kind of as a whole are more than they are as individuals. And I would make the same kind of argument here with, with Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, as, as dynamic as he was, you mentioned the Utah performance in the Rose Bowl. Um, unbelievable performance. I mean, that's about as good of a, of a game as I've ever seen. But still, the fact that 35% of his receiving yards and four of his 10 career touchdown receptions occurred in that game and, Nebraska, and against Nebraska, you know, this is not a guy who has proven it over the long term. So, you know, Jim, you know, I respect your opinion. I'm very high on both these players as well. Is it just your experience? You just know what you're looking for that can allow us all to basically say these are pro ready players, despite the fact that, again, with uh, a player like Witherspoon, he came in relatively underrated. Uh, and then with Jackson Smith and Jigba comes in with only a year and a half of, of college, major college football experience. No, Rob, those are fair points, man. You're, you're queuing me up to, to really say something egotistical if I said it's just my experience. Uh, I'm not going to say that. Uh, no, with, with Witherspoon, yeah, I mean, he was even a little bit under the radar for us going into the year. Like when he popped against, I think it was Wyoming when he was our senior of the week. 
um, early in the year. And Sidney Brown did too. Like that whole secondary was kind of, I mean, God, we, I don't know if we, maybe we just didn't do a good job last summer um, scouting those guys up, but they all kind of made a big jump on our board once, once we got into this year. And I, I do give that Illinois coaching staff a ton of credit. And that's why, you know, Coach Walters <laughs> got a head coaching job at Purdue out of it. Um, well-deserved. Uh, but just how those guys play, man. So, no, I, I, I didn't – I mean, I, Rob, I don't know how to answer it. I, I didn't have any reservations on Devin. I really didn't. Um, I thought that was a great pick. I think he's going to – I think he can play man. I think he can play zone. Um, just the competitiveness. And, again, not to oversell the competitiveness and the toughness, right? We we pay him to cover and not to, to tackle, right? I get it. Um, but I think the guy can really cover. And then with uh, – with, with Smith and Jigba, uh, I hear you. Like it's the, the 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 dependability part is a little bit of the roll of the dice, the durability, and, and staying on the football field. Same thing that Bryce Bryce Young was. I mean, there was no way around Bryce Young being a roll of the dice. He just was. Um, but if you're Scott Fitter in Carolina, like you you got to roll those dice. And where Seattle was at 20 overall, um, feeling like Smith and Jigba was you know kind of fell in your lap at that point. Um, I really get it. And again. Like, is he, like, crazy dynamic in terms of, you know, is he, like, an explosive, um, you know, perennial all-pro level player? Like, I'll stop short of saying that, but is he going to be a really productive Seahawk? Yes, I think he's going to be a really productive Seahawk. So, um, if you can get a guy that you feel really good about that's going to be an immediate contributor and a long, long-term long core piece of your football team, to me, at 20 overall, it's a good pick, so... This special episode of Locked on Seahawks with Jim Nagy is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and the calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar out there, the Built Bar, covered in 100% real dark chocolate and comes in unbelievable flavors, including churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar, and they have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and just 17 grams of protein now you don't have to wait to get a box either you can go over to your local walmart or sam's club to get your built bars go to walmart head over to the pharmacy section you get a four bar box of cookies and cream double bar chocolate or coconut puff and if you're in your sam's club going to get a 13 bar box with their hit flavors including brownie batter puff and churro puff you can thank me later you're listening to Locked On Seahawks here, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang, and a very special guest, Jim Nagy, director of the Senior Bowl. We've had a chance up to this point to look at the first two picks. Let's talk about the guys that actually play in the Senior Bowl. The Seahawks had four draft picks this year. Now, Jim, this is the fourth time under John Schneider and Pete Carroll that the Seahawks have picked at least four Senior Bowl players, third time in the last five years. So this has been something they have consistently done. The highest pick they had, Derek Hall, pick number 37 yesterday. Matt Barry told us that he indeed had a first-round grade for the Seahawks. They were able to get him at pick 37. How do you see his skill set translating to the defense Seattle's running now, where they're running more of a 3-4 style defense? And what does the ceiling look like for this kid, especially with the intangibles and the motor that he plays with? Uh, yeah, first thing, first thing off, Corbin, with him, I will say that like a lot of you hear his fans, we hear a lot about, you know, this was our guy all along, or this was the top guy on our board. Um, you know, we're so glad he fell to us all that. I will say this, like when the Seahawks were in Mobile, they were all over Derek Hall. Um, and I can say it now because it's past the draft and he's on the roster. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I had some conversations with with Matt and some other guys on the staff. Like they were they were dialed in on Derek Hall as early as January. So, um, so that's I mean, that's cool. Uh, that's cool. They got a guy that they were really zeroed in on the whole process. Um, another story that's not out there a lot about Derek that I, I'd love to share. Um, Aaron Heinlein was at the pro day at Auburn. I was up there as well. Um, and they put Derek through a D line position workout first and they wore those guys out. I mean, there was D linemen falling out of that position workout and then they went to linebacker drills. He did the full linebacker workout and there were linebackers ready to quit. And Derek, after going, I mean, he was ready for a third position. You could have ran him through the, the DB stuff. I mean, he's, this guy is an ex, he's an intense worker. He was in incredible condition. Um, that was so impressive. Like the movement stuff was probably better than I even thought. Some of the drop stuff at linebacker was better than I thought. But really, the takeaway leaving that pro day was, gosh dang, how the condition this guy's in is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he again he plays like a Seahawk. He's combative. He's physical. He you know he chases all the time. He's a high motor guy. Like he just plays with that intensity. He's he was the alpha of that Auburn program. You know, that's obviously Seahawks fans have heard that for years now. The, the Seahawks are looking for alpha males. I mean, this is another one. He, there, that, that, that program was fraying a little bit. Um, as you can imagine, when they let Coach Harson go, I mean, that was, that was, that's always a difficult thing in the middle of the season. And, uh, and Derek's the guy that kept it together. And uh, everyone, everyone in the building, you know, attributes that to Derek's leadership and, and the, just the presence he commands with his teammates and, um, did a great job. And again, he's, he's a local guy for us. Um, you know, he's from Gulfport, uh, Biloxi area of Mississippi. Uh, you know, just kind of a, a country dude. I think he's going to fit in really well up there. Um, you know, he drove the big old jacked up truck that, uh, that, uh, I posted about it during senior bowl week. And I actually sent J John called me a couple hours before the draft on Friday to talk about Derek. And I'm like, dude, have you seen the truck he rolled up to mobile in? And he was like, no. And I'm like, let me shoot you a picture of this bad boy. So that's, I think that's why when John got on the call with him, he was like, he's like, Hey, you better make sure you send that truck up to Seattle with you. Um, but again, he's another guy I think will be a fan favorite. So, I mean, you look at, you look at the edge crew with Nwosu and DT that both those guys had nine and a half sacks. I mean, there's, there's some really strong feel in the building right now for boy Mafe. And I'm sure those guys, I'm not, this isn't news breaking. Those guys, I'm sure have all said this, but I mean, they They've told me how excited they are about Boye, and like they felt like he was kind of their best edge setter last year, even as a rookie. And everyone thought they were going to get pass rush production out of Boye, and he ended up being like their heaviest edge setter. And now Derek's going to come in and give him a really similar skill set. I mean, his his rush game is all power. This dude is going to come right through your face. Um, and then when he when he gets by you, when he when he turns the corner or he runs through you. He can really close to the quarterback. This guy can run. So, um, and then he's really heavy-handed against the run game. So, I think he's just a really good fit for what they're doing right now. No, I have to agree with you. I mean, you just basically took the words right out of my mouth, Jim. I was going to ask you to kind of compare and contrast Seattle's edge rushers, and you know, you just kind of talked about with Derek Hall and uh, how you were impressed with uh, you know just his agility. Uh, I don't want to use, uh, you don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, during the linebacker drills at the Auburn Pro Day that is very much different than what I've seen from, uh, say, a Daryl Taylor and, and just his burst upfield. I mean, the guy, I, I use the expression, that he kind of corners like a street bike with the way that he kind of gets around guys. And with Hall, it's almost like he realizes that the shortest distance between point A and point B is right <laughs> through blockers. And so his physicality, I think, really stands apart. 
you had some experience, you know, again, with your uh, role with the Senior Bowl, with a couple of other edge rushers that Seattle has not seen a lot of, uh, unfortunately, Seahawks fans have not seen. And that being Alton Robinson, Tyreek Smith, uh, previously from Ohio State as well, draft pick uh, a couple of years ago. Can you give us a little bit more of a thumbnail sketch about how you think that all these pass rushers, uh, Daryl Taylor, Chaney Nuosu, Boye Mafe, uh, you know, and now obviously Derek Hall, as well as those other two, Tyreek Smith and, um, and, and Alton Robinson, how do you think that this might all kind of work out for the Seahawks? Yeah, it's um, in all six of those guys, I'm kind of I'm, – I'm, I'm cheating our, our, our uh, social media team here. They're, they're going to be putting out different position group graphics over the summer. And uh, there's one, all six of those edge guys are senior bowlers for the Seahawks. Um, so, no, they're, they're, they're different. But I think you look at the roster right now, what, what are two things the Seahawks can't have enough of? Edge rushers and running backs, right? Exactly. Like, they just they, they need those guys. Um, and stylistically, they're all different. I, I, the guy that I would love to see, you know, get a little more born is Alton Robinson. Um, you know, and I know that internally there's some there's some people in the building that would like to see him on the field more as well because when he gets his chances, he does some good things. So, um, you know, he has over his first whatever it is now, three or four years of his career. So, um, you know, to just roll those guys in and out, keep them fresh, right? I mean, I think that's the, that's the plan for those guys. And some of them have versatility. Um, and I'll say one more story about about uh, about Derek Hall that you, you just triggered my, my memory, Rob. Like they had another line outside linebacker there, Ico Leota, who played in the Senior Bowl, um, went to Carolina as an undrafted free agent. Would have, definitely would have been drafted if he if he didn't get hurt. Like he didn't have combine, didn't have a pro day, no testing. That kind of forced him to go out. Now in the fall, I thought Ico was Ico was a, a better athlete. Like he 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 was a better change of direction athlete. He was a little lower, you know, turning the corner, a little bendier. And uh, like this is the part of Derek Hall that I love. He showed up in Mobile. And, and he told me, he's like, I've heard what you've been saying about me, about me athletically. He goes, I've heard, he goes, trust me, I'm, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, he came down to Mobile with a chip on his shoulder, like pissed off at me because he heard stuff I was saying about, I was trying to say nice things about Leota, right? And he kind of turned it into that I was slighting him as an athlete. So um, just kind of that chip on the shoulder uh, quality that I know the Seahawks love and, and uh, I know Derek Hall has. So yeah, I mean, Back to your question, Rob. I mean, that, that's a good problem to have. They've got a bunch of guys they got to get in the field, and uh, to me, you, you can't have enough enough guys that just to just to kind of, you know, run in and out of there. So it, it's a it'll it'll be interesting. It sure will it sure will make as Pete you know has, has spoken to. I mean, it sure will create ridiculous competition um, when they put the pads on in August. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, cue the Michael Jordan meme there. And I took that personal, you know, I mean, it's uh, that, but I, I 100% agree with you again. It was just the, the, the mentality that the Derek Hall spoke about and then plays with that. I really think yeah. that uh, again, kind of you talked about before Devin Witherspoon just really just screams Seahawks. So I, I agree. I do think that there's going to be a mad rush of Seahawks fans out there looking for uh, number 11 jerseys for Jackson Smith and Jigba, of course, but also for Witherspoon and number 58 for Derek Hall. I think it's going to be a really popular one. Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned the chip on the shoulder, and that story that you just said, that screams Seahawk as much as anything. Like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I, I, this is personal for me. Like, you know Pete Carroll and John Schneider got super excited about that. But Kenny McIntosh on draft day, I have never seen a guy get more emotional in a draft call with reporters than we saw for him because he just was so stunned 
that he fell to the seventh round. And, and Oluwatimi wasn't that way with us, but I'm sure he expected to go earlier than he did, getting drafted in the fifth round and getting these two players that are going to be able to come in. Oluwatimi gets a chance to potentially start on day one, and then Kenny McIntosh, a guy that I had as my number five running back in this year's class, to see him fall to the seventh round. How do you see those two players fitting in, and McIntosh in particular? How does he match with this backfield after they drafted Charbonnet to go with Ken Walker the third? Yeah, so uh, quickly on Oluwatimi, uh, very similar to the Derek Hall conversation that they were targeting him. This was a guy Seattle wanted all the way back to back to Mobile, um, and then I went to the combine and spent some time with those guys up in the in the suite. I kind of. Uh, Jeff Foster, who runs the combine, gave me a, a was nice enough to give me a pass, and I just kind of got me to the sweet level at the combine, and I just like sweet hopped for a couple nights, and, and just you know got got caught up with guys in the league, and thanked them for coming to Mobile, and asked them what we can do better, and all those all those things. And uh, I remember talking to Steve Hutchinson, you know, the great Hall of Fame former Seahawk who does a ton of offensive line work for those guys, and the Hawks are lucky to have him, man. That's a, a wealth of knowledge. Um, to have on, I mean, to me, that's that's one of the most under. That's one of the most that like, kids call it low key moves right now that the Seahawks have done over the last few years is add Steve Hutchinson to that personnel department, and uh, you know, just maybe maybe the Michigan tie helped Steve know him a little better. Um, but Steve felt great about Olu. You know, like I, I really thought we we had a conversation. I thought Olu was going on day two. I really did. I thought he was going to go in the third. So. Um, you know, I thought when they, when they made the Charbonnet pick, I thought they were going to be on like John Michael Schmitz at that point uh, from Minnesota to like clear, you know, like really solidify that center position and get a long-term answer there. And when they took Charbonnet, I was like, whoa, okay, what, what, where are they going to pivot to at center? And so getting Olu in the fifth was, was incredible value. I think, I think he will not just compete to start. I think he'll start. Um, I think he'll come in and start. I think he's ready to do that. Um and then Kenny's Kenny man, like I don't know where to start on Kenny McIntosh. Um, he was a guy for us. Like we have not had great success in that running back room at Georgia over the years. Um, going back to like Sony and Nick, uh, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. I wasn't at the game. I was still in Seattle, and uh, you know they didn't get those two guys that year. Um, you know, like last year, we had James uh, James Cook committed to the game, and his agent pulled him out like the week before. So, you know, I thought so highly of Kenny that I was worried we weren't going to get him to Mobile, honestly. Like, he was – so when he was sliding and in about the fifth round, I was, like, panicking for him. You know, I'm like – I started texting buddies around the league, like, what is going on with McIntosh right now? And uh, so I – you know, and, and obviously I hit up the guys in Seattle, and, and I told them, like, for whatever it's worth, I mean – I mean, you guys all do your own work too, but like for us, I mean, he was our top graded running back ahead of Charbonneau. So I'm like, you know, we like Zach. Zach was our second rated running back. So like no knock on Zach Charbonnet, but we had Kenny McIntosh first and you took one, you know, one guy went in the second round and now we're staring at another guy in the fifth and sixth round. Like to me, it was crazy. Um, I think it's what's going to, what's going to go back, what's going to bite people in the butt. Um, Cause I believe strongly in Kenny McIntosh, they're going to look back on it. And they're just going to point to the pro day in the combine and put way too much stock in what happened in shorts and t-shirts with Kenny McIntosh. Um, you know, in going back to that Sony and Nick draft when I was in Seattle, that's the draft we took Rashad Penny. I mean, there were some of us in the personnel department that were really big fans of Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Um, and, you know, Nick Chubb didn't run a very good 40 time. 
He ran in the four sixes, and that four sixes, we did a study. You know, Matt Matt Barry did a study of of the four six and in slower running backs in the NFL over the last whatever it was, 25, 30 years. And it was a who's who of the Pro Bowl. So, like, the, the most overrated thing, and I've said it ad nauseum, um, for, for running backs, the most overrated thing is, is 40 time and, like, long speed. I mean, how many, how many true home run hitters have there been in the National Football League in the last 15 years? I, I would challenge you. I would say it's Chris Johnson from the Titans and Jamal Charles, who I was lucky enough to be around for four years in Kansas City. Outside of that, have there been any, like, true, consistent home run hitters? So, like, who cares about the 40-yard dash time? Like, yeah, all the all, to me, all the combine and pro day should do, and I'm not trying to get on my soapbox. And, and, Rob, I know you guys do this, too. Like, if there's something that pops up the combine, some number that doesn't make sense, what do you do? You go right back to the tape. And when I went, we did that internally as a staff. I'm like, guys, let's let's recheck our eyes here. Like, what did we miss? And um, went back and watched all Kenny's stuff, and there was no lack of explosiveness, man. I mean, the dude has a ton of burst on tape when he gets when he gets the football in his hands. So, um, you know, that reaction that he had with the media, I mean, you talk about authentic and genuine. Um, you know, the NFL, all these scouts are trying to do, like literally, if you asked all 32 GMs, what is the main goal from January to April? What is the one thing you're trying to figure out? They would say, who loves football? Kenny McIntosh's reaction, does, if that doesn't tell you how much that kid loves football and how much football matters to him, like what else could there be? Like this dude, is he's all about football. Like he said in the call, like South Florida, man, that's all these kids have. So um, – to me, you're getting a really talented guy, another guy, and now with a massive like boulder on his shoulder. Um, that could be a, a, a huge, huge weapon. Seattle obviously nailed it, um, whatever that was, five, six years ago with in, this, in the seventh round with uh, Chris Carson. I would say that uh, they've got a really, really good chance of doing the same thing with Kenny McIntosh. Yeah, it certainly feels like that from my perspective as well, Jim. I mean, I, you know, as Corbin said, Kenny McIntosh was number five, running back on his board. He was, I believe, number seven, eight uh, on mine. I, I was stunned when he fell down. And we, we kind of mentioned before, you know, jokingly, Daniel Jeremiah had, you know, Devin Witherspoon raid too high, and that resulted in his not participating in your in senior bowl. Um, to me, one of the guys – Going back to Daniel Jeremiah, I just remember this specifically from the combine um, that I remember Kenny McIntosh running the four sixes, and, and Jeremiah, of course, does a great job, um, you know, commenting on the combine and kind of said, "Ooh, that's a you know, a little bit slower." I thought, I wonder, you know, I hope that Kenny McIntosh comes with a better time the next turn, and of course, he does not. So I, I agree. I think that 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 is the most uh, overrated component when it comes to evaluating, especially running backs. Um, speaking of kind of overrated, underrated kind of things, Jarek Reed, the second from New Mexico, he, he was a player, of course, who was not invited to the Senior Bowl. And I'm not sure how familiar you might be with him. The, the Seahawks were really high on him for a long time, um, you know, and, and that's kind of created a little bit of a buzz out here in Seattle. But you may not have um, that knowledge of that. So if, if you have thoughts on Reed, I'd love to hear them. If not, you, you've made some pretty bold statements here recently, last couple of years. You, you called Jay Curran. You called Tariq Wool. Is there anybody else, whether it be Reed, whether it be Kenny McIntosh, whether it be Olu, is there anybody of Seattle's draft class or their undrafted free agents? I don't want to limit you here, Jim. 
Is there anybody that you want to call your shot on here and say, this is the underrated guy, Seattle's 2023 class that you really think is going to wind up surprising some people? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Reed, man. Like, um, I'll just, I'll put it on me. We, we didn't do a good job and I didn't do enough good, good enough job scouting him. Um, uh, um, you know, every year we go back and we look at how things shook out draft wise and um, how we did. And, and Reed's a guy that I, I really felt like we, we as a staff missed and, and that, that falls on me. I mean, I'm, I make the call, so that's on me. Um, I'm glad the Seahawks are fired up, man. I'm, I'm really excited for Ryan Florence that he got to get on the call and, and uh, make that draft day call. That was one of the coolest things I saw in this year's draft. And um, I said at the time, like that's, that speaks to who John Schneider is, man, like as a leader. And um, you talk about a guy that's totally in tune with like the, the dynamic of his scouting staff and the morale of his scouting staff. Like I'm telling you, like some GMs could give a rip what the morale of their scouting staff is. Like John Schneider is completely in tune to how those guys feel and wants them to feel a part of it. And uh, it might be a little thing to fans, but man, when he put Ryan Florence on that phone call, when I saw that, like that was, that was an incredible moment for scouts. Um, Cause we don't, we don't get to do that very often. So, so I hope, I hope, I know they're fired up about him and I know he kind of feels like he fits their DNA too. So um, that's a really cool pick. We missed on him at the senior bowl um, in terms of guys that they got, they got some free agent guys that, that we were, that we were fired up about. They, they always do a really good job again, because I think John empowers the scouts. Um, so those guys always leave as I did. Like you, you spend the spring really recruiting, uh, recruiting your butt off. And, uh, and it pays dividends when, 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 the, when, you know, round six and round seven go and you got to get on the phone. Um, you got to have those relationships and the Seahawks scouts do an unbelievable across the board, man, all those guys do a great job. So, um, I, I probably should have done a better job of looking into that UDFA class before we jumped on here. But um, I know looking at it, there was a bunch of guys we liked and had draftable grades on. I felt like they almost had a, a second draft up there, um, like a second day three, because we had day three grades on a lot of those guys. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I think Olu and, and Kenny have a chance. I think Olu's, you know, got a chance to be a starter right away. And uh, I think Kenny's got a chance to be a real contributor and, and really be in the mix week in and week out both as a running back and as a, you know, a guy you can move around and be creative with. So um, I don't know uh, if, if we had time to re if you, if you gave me time to like go back and look at the UDFAs, I'm sure there's a couple of those guys that uh, excite me. Well, I'll just throw out the name Jonah Tavai just because I like to talk about Jonah Tavai. But anyway, uh, they got a couple of nice receivers, Landers from Arkansas as well as another one that they signed. So uh, we've had a chance to talk a lot of, a lot of these undrafted guys, but before we let you go, we greatly appreciate you taking the time to chat with us, Jim, as always. We did miss, and I don't know how we missed this guy, because he is the biggest bodied guy that the Seahawks brought in in their draft class, and he was a senior bowl participant. Cameron Young from Mississippi State, an under-the-radar guy playing in the SEC that Matt Berry was telling us yesterday. He was playing in a scheme where he was asked to slant and be on the move a lot. They're going to be asking him to play as a traditional nose in Seattle. Do you view that as a situation where – just because of the scheme and the position fit that he is set up to be a much better NFL player than college player. Uh, yeah, I would say that like, you know, in terms of like flying under the radar, there's always a handful of senior bowl guys every year um, that I'm like, man, how, how is the media missing on this guy? Or like, how is the outside world missing on this guy? To me, that guy in last year's class was Abe Lucas. Um, 
I was shocked that coming out of senior bowl weeks, I thought Abe had a great week in Mobile. Um, that was that guy. And, and Cam Young kind of falls into that bucket this year. Uh, I totally agree with Matt on that. Like, this is not a guy. This is not like an upfield disruptive player. He is a at the point of attack, big man, long man. I mean, 35 plus inch arms for a nose tackle is unusual. Um, so this is a guy that can hunker down, eat up blocks, get block separation, get off, make plays in the A gap. And again, he's not like a total like slug. This guy can, this guy can play down the line a little bit. But it, you know, Hawks fans shouldn't expect this guy to be. You know, it's going to be a, a, a sack producer. Um, but with with Jaron and and Draymond Jones and, and things they got, they needed this guy. They needed a guy like this. Um, and in his role, I mean, that was a dang good pick in the fourth round to get that guy because it really kind of fell off. This interior D-line class was pretty darn thin. Uh, for us, Cam was one of the last guys they could have got before it really fell off a cliff. So I was, you know, obviously being still being close to the team, like I thought that was a great pick because I, I saw it falling off after that. No, I, I again, I, I agree with you. It was one of the reasons why I kind of thought the Seattle might go with a Jalen Carter, even though there was every sign in the world that said they would not. I just thought because the defensive line class dropped off as much as it did, then that was the biggest argument for him. I'll finish up with this, uh, or at least for me, Jim, and, and again, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Mike Morris, uh, you know, I, I know that he's an underclassman, but you being a Michigan man, uh, you're going to know him very well. Uh, Cam Young, of course, went right before him, and then Mike Morris, Seattle, did get those two defensive linemen there in the, in the middle portion uh, of, the, of the draft. Um, what are your thoughts on Mike Morris? Do you like him better inside, adding weight as Seattle was trying to do? Uh, yeah, we did a lot of work on Mike. Mike was actually senior bowl eligible, and uh, we tried to get him in a game, and his, his representation passed on the opportunity. So, um, you know, no, I, I, I like it because he was a tweener. You know, we're talking about a big 280-pound edge player at Michigan, and I, I did not see that as his future. Like, he really was would have been a misfit out there. So you, you got you to put weight on him. You got, yeah. you got to me, you got to get the guy bigger. Um, which I know was the goal. And they said he showed up to rookie camp um, at, a, you know, at a desirable weight where they kind of wanted him. But uh, he's long. He can run. Um, I think he, he's a better athlete on tape than how he tested. I don't, I don't think the spring stuff was, was really good to him. I, I would guess his representation thought the testing stuff would be better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a projection. There's no, there's no two ways around that. I mean, we – Again, you watch the athlete on tape. Well, that might not be the athlete when you pack another 20 or 30 pounds on him. So we'll see. To me, it's a little bit of a, a wait-and-see pick. But um, the guy was a really productive player at Michigan. He got after the quarterback. Um, and you put value on guys that can affect the quarterback. And if you can get them there in the, you know, after pick 100, um, that doesn't usually happen very often. So definitely a projection pick. Um, and if, if you hit, it's a great hit. Um, and if you don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's whatever it was, a fourth or fifth round draft pick. So it's not, it's not a huge deal. As Clint Hurt said, just make sure you don't push yourself away from the table. He got the number one thing as a football player you like to hear from a coach. <laughs> Jim, as always, we greatly appreciate you having you on Locked on Seahawks for your insight. And get to work because I know that you're looking to those 2024 prospects already getting ready for next year. Yeah, we're, we're getting cranked up, guys. But uh Thanks for having me back on. And I'll, I'll say this just to just to give you guys a little a little kudos and love. But not I have to follow a lot of these national fan bases, man. The Hawks fans are lucky 
that they got two guys like you that are so knowledgeable and pour yourselves into it. And, and not all, not all 32 fan bases have that man. So you guys do an awesome job and I appreciate you having me on every year after the draft to talk about these guys. So um, if we don't talk between now and next year or not next year at this time, have an awesome summer guys. Thanks so much, Jim. That, that's, I can't even say anything to that. Thank you so much. <laughs> As always, 12s, make sure to follow me on Twitter, Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang and follow Jim at Jim Nagy underscore SB for the Senior Bowl. And coming up on our show tomorrow, I'll be joined by Dallas Cooper. The two of us will be diving into offensive and defensive depth charts for the Seahawks heading into OTAs. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.